Greetings, shitlords, wastrels, and any other elements of the manosphere from TRP, STRP, and any other red pill space. Edgelords. Can't leave the edgelords out. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot that part. Edgelords. Uh, I'm It Is Written. I'm joined today by everybody's favorite poster, Uncle Boss, broadcasting live from Earth Station Red. Thank you. It's great to be here. Of course. And the same. So uh, I think one of the most important questions to get out from an introduction perspective, Voss, is how did you arrive at the Red Pill? So much like anyone else, right? If you're interested in travel, you go to a travel site. You know, if you're interested in investing, you go to investment sites. And as I make my way through the world, and I'm fully formed as, you know, a, a Red Pill man, but you're stuck essentially living in a great sea of blue pills, and it's good to be around like-minded people who share your interests. Like, I never would have met you if it wasn't for TRP, and you never would have met me. So. Very true, very true. Uh, I think one of the things that initially attracted me to it, I, I had an original account, I had made some posts, um, garnered some interest, decided to delete the account and move on, because I didn't really understand the value of, of sticking around at the time. I think I was a bit more self-interested. Um, which you know leads me into my favorite question for our most experienced posters, which is a lot of people come, in my mind, the perfectly good red pill user comes, reads the sidebar, maybe asks a question or two, if that lifts, gets what he wants and leaves. So what is it that compelled you to stay and teach? There's a lot, there's a lot of need there for that. I mean, I grew up with a father, a lot of guys statistically over half grow up without a father in the home. You were looking at ask TRP questions, and I look at that and go, I know the answer to that, right? I mean, and I know you have this experience too, where you can almost read the title and tell the kid what the answer is without reading it, right? And I, of course, just I open it in the hope that he's using paragraphs. But, you know, that's why I wrote Corporate Land, because kids would say, hey, I've got this interview tomorrow, what do I do? Or how do I behave? Or I've got my first job. And this is all stuff that we would have absorbed through our own fathers or other fathers in the neighborhood. You know, when I was growing up, my dad was around. If he wasn't around, Mr. Smith was around. You know, Mr. Adams was around. There was always somebody to make sure, you know, that we weren't getting into trouble. These kids don't have that experience. Very often they're raised by single moms, so they're taught to play it safe and not test boundaries. So, you know, when they wash up on our shores, they just, they, they know things aren't working and they don't know why. And there were guys who helped me when I was young. So I, I'm trying to pay it forward. I think that's very reasonable and makes a lot of sense. Um, the clarification I would make, at least working with, I think the youngest generation is, sometimes it's not even a father figure, it's just no masculine figure, period. Uh, I'd agree with that, yes. I think that you could count on fatherhood to instill certain things uh, up and through maybe the tail end of my generation. I'm, a, I'm on the oldest side of millennial uh, that you just can't get today. And I think that really reflects in not just internet ethos, but when you when you see, as you mentioned, when the guys wash up on our shores, they're starting almost from less than zero because they don't start from blank slate, tabula rasa. They start from totally indoctrinated, completely fooled, uh, even ranging just to hopeless. I think I think hopelessness is probably one of the biggest reasons that I decided to stick around. Uh, I, I would prefer that the most recent generation of men, I bet there's a solid 20 to 25% of them that would be receptive, that will go out and do the work. And, and that's why I stick around. Yeah. So the sort of the burrito box. Definitely. Definitely. 
You know, very true. And the simple fact is, is it takes a man to raise a boy. And even if there's a single mom who's great, she's going to teach him what she knows, which will not be what he know, needs to know to succeed in the world, right? So, you know, women, men, we act and they are acted upon, right? Like girls think, oh, it just happens, right? No, it doesn't just happen, right? And we'll talk, we'll talk about your encounter yesterday and we'll do an anatomy of a cold approach. To her, that just happened. You, you know, instantaneously planned it out. But you are the you are the actor there, and she is the person who's acted upon and was quite happy that she was. Yeah, and I think the irony there is that in in many cases, some of the guys we were talking about earlier, though, let's just refer to them as sort of the lost boys, um, are acted upon, and they they can sense that something's wrong, but they're not quite sure what it is. Right, they're lost. They know there's something out there, but they're not sure what it is. Some of them wait to, for the girl to make the first move, and if that is if humanity would have died out if we were relying on that, right? It's just not how the world works. And I think a lot of the boys can sense that being acted upon um, is it, it's existentially irritating in that it, it really gets under their skin. And many of the questions come from a, you know, one of the, the sarcastic phrases we use is what do, which is, I don't like myself, what do? You can't outsource a lot of those things. You can teach many of you can teach a lot of the scaffolding, but the guy ultimately has to build his own castle. Yeah, I mean, we can tell a kid to lift, but he's got to go lift. Yeah. And I think that's starting from, let's call it negative 100 and trying to get to zero is a very daunting task for a lot of these kids. And I, I definitely sympathize with it. Uh, I'm also of the generation that, that did have a father that did grow up in an intact home. But despite all that, uh, I think you see a lot of identity struggle that comes in the age of the internet. and where I specifically think and where, I, where I'd like your opinion is coming from a generation that wasn't raised by the internet. What do you think the key difference? Let, let's put the father figure aside and say, if you're quote unquote, let's use the philosophical, the, the Zizek father figure. Um, what do you think replaces it in the age of the internet? Media, right? So you look now, it's like even it, it's infected every level of society, right? Even Disney films now. Right. I mean, the prince is an asshole and true love's kiss comes from your fucking sister or you know, <laughs> some the demon witch who put you under the spell in the first place who really secretly is a good person. It's crazy. Right. And this, you get this, this sort of stuff pounded into you. And if I were a young guy and I understand it to some extent because I see it, and I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? Am I the only person who fucking sees this? This is bullshit. You know, or the, the tough girl trope. Where, you know, a little 110 pound, like hot model chick wipes out seven bikers using her, you know, your Kung Fu must be strong Kung Fu, <laughs> but it's not that strong. My stoic crane defeats your favorite tiger. Yes. Our, our, their tiger style is very powerful, but our dragon style will dominate. Mm -hmm. And I, I think uh, more than anything else where this, where this trope really gets dangerous is when you're just rolling your eyes and moving on and you're the only one in the room that gets it and there's a group of people, you know, let's refer back to the Lost Boys, who are looking at it and raising their eyebrow, but not quite sure what to think yet. Uh, I, I think one of the important teaching points that we keep coming back to is you have to go out and test it. Which, as the engineers say, if you really want to know, go and build it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all this, all the planning, all the blueprints in the world are, um, you know, to quote someone else, and I've seen this quote all over, the, the map is not the terrain. 
The yep. map is a path. Red pill is the map. The terrain is you going out and doing it. Getting from point A to point B, there might be some wolves. There will be some mountains. There will be some rough terrain. But the actual act of going out and traversing it is, I think, if getting these kids to take the first step is what I think the most important part is. I've said a couple times in the past, if what I write gets one guy to go out and lift, if it gets one guy to ask, what do I want out of life and not try and outsource that question because it is not a question that can be outsourced. I think that would, that would make me feel like what I did was worthwhile. Right. And as men, we are the builders. We are the leaders. We are the doers. Mm -hmm. We make things happen. I think one of the recurring themes that we see a lot in STRP that, well, it, does encourage some ridicule, but I, I get where it's coming from is is uh, not just the idea of, of what do, but as I mentioned before, outsourcing things that can't be outsourced, such as um, I think there's two stages of nihilism in TRP, um, early nihilism. There's nothing matters and I'm fucking depressed about it. And then there's I went out, I fucked the girls, I lifted the weights. Is that all there is out of life? What would you say to that guy, which I call sort of the intermediate TRP nihilist? Well, I think when you get through all that, right, because when you start off when you're young, you want to have sex more than you want to stay alive, right? It's that simple. It is such a fundamental need. It is second only to air, mm -hmm. right? And for a lot of guys, they tend to overfocus on that one special girl who's going to solve all of their problems, right? But wait, there's this one girl. <laughs> you know, I don't think you understand. Let me tell you all about her. Oh, Okay. No, just kidding. It was oh, an old one. It was an old one night. I'm oh, sorry. Was there more? Okay. No, no, no. There's never any more. Well, there's one girl. There's just one girl every day, right? <laughs> uh, well, no, very true. But, you know, these, God, these, the media and that we're exposed to and music and art is so, so, so blue pill. If you just do all the movie shit, right, then she'll love you. But what you have to understand is that women have their own existential crises and needs and problems, right? And I think it's it's more difficult for them, right? There are 15 good years to be a woman from about age 15 when guys start to notice you till about age 30. And a woman can still be attractive after age 30, no lie. But it's not going to be like when she was 22. It's just that simple. And everything for them is riding on 36, 24, 36, right? I would, if we were on TV, make the hourglass figure, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, on one side, all they have to do is be hot. But on the other side, all so they much, get to do is be hot. Yeah, beauty is their fortune, right? Very often. Whereas as a guy, you can make yourself into the prize one way or the other. I, I mean, I am not, other than being tall, I am not a classically good looking man, but you never see me coming to TRP complaining that I can't get women and I can't get the women that I want. Are you saying that men other than Chad models can get girls? It, there's a rumor of it. Okay. I wouldn't know because I am handsome as fuck. And <laughs> so I do have that going No, no homo, but that's true. It's true. It's true. Spare dinosaur parts. Uh, that's actually one of my favorite self-descriptors of yours. How did you come up with that? Oh, it's just on the fly. Yeah. That's the way my brain works, right? I mean, as I sometimes say, pointing to myself, look what God did to me. So, <laughs> so you, you know, you have to, you know, you have to I'll say, all right, well, I'm not going to be a Chad. But I have to develop other skills. I have to learn a game, do other things to, to actualize my life the way I want to actualize. And look, the women we were with last night were reacting to me. Now, I did have an in with them because you know them. But, you know, I knew how to handle them. For instance, with a taller one, I knew how to make her feel small. 
I picked her up and then I did that at the end of the night and she full on mouth kissed me and said, this is how we're going to greet each other from here on out. Yeah. So to, to recap, since uh, to fill in the audience. So last night um, to show my uncle lots a great time, I invited my OLTR and my Jamaican side bitch, who I like to refer to as princess, um, an accurate description, if I do say so. True facts. Um, to give you an idea of who we're dealing with, think Blackanese, Island Beauty mixed with, let's say, tall, former former magazine model, Jamaican girl. This is sort of what we're dealing with. And yes, the way the way Boz greeted Jamaican side bitch was just the way he should, which is to pick her up with exactly one arm. And interestingly enough, uh, when I saw you do that, it cracked me up because that's how I sort of broke her in the first place. When I first got her back to my place, I put on Give It To Me Baby by Rick James, and I lifted her ass up, and I spun her around the room and threw her against the wall. And uh, it is just that simple, boys. Well, look, it wasn't that far into it where she's doing a spin for me so I can assess her figure and her beauty. Yes, yes. So either you have game or you don't. And you, my friend, do. You have a strong pimp hand because <laughs> you've got, you've got the, the, you know, the, the Black Elise primary and you have another woman who isn't necessarily interested in having a three-way but will go on a date with the two of you because she wants to be in the same space as you. Yes, which is important, which is regardless of whether I get her into a fuck pretzel or not, the act of submission is enjoyable to her. She appreciates the candor and the honesty. Um, so before we do sort of part two on the on the most recent cold approach, I'll just explain how I picked her up. I was out at a local joint. I was going to go in for happy hour by myself doing my thing. So on the phone with a client, uh, and we made eyes at each other. She was at a, a table with her friend, a post-wall white woman. Don't worry, they age like milk. In my personal opinion, my personal opinion. Black don't crack, baby. It's very true. Um, so I recognize. And I like white girls, but you know that's the way it is. It is. It is what it is. Cocoa butter does, does magical things to the skin. Um, so I recognize the IOI, but quite frankly, I think let's just let this one sit for a minute. I go to the bar. I'm doing my thing, making friends, being the mayor. You name it. As I'm deep into conversation, I turn to my left and see her leaving. So I put one finger up, which would be, a, again, a better on video, and just say, hold that thought. And immediately walk over to her and say, hey, I saw we were making eyes at each other. I want to ask you out. Give me your phone number. And her white friend, to her credit, is like, I don't like this guy. He's just too forward. And the moment that I knew we were going to be friends is when she said, oh, no, I like this. I haven't seen this in a long time. So the white girl is being the bitter bitch, right? Probably doesn't get a lot of attention. Not nearly as attractive as yeah, Jamaican oh, princess. 100%. Not even close. Yeah, 100%. So she's trying to be the downer. And, but it does show the value of being direct, which you guys don't have now. Like they think it's magically get well, I want to remain mysterious. No, you want to remain alone forever because you're not approaching women. And to be clear for our audience, the way that I dealt with, with uh, attempted cop block is just to say, I understand. What do you think? She said, I like it. Okay, case closed. Yeah. My, the only one thing I would have changed, there's only one word I would said I would like to take you. I would not ask you out, but you, obviously you did fine. Yeah. But you that's know. just game film stuff. I mean, that's just a tweak here and there. Not all of us can be fucking complete professionals like you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been in this field of hobbies for a long time. <laughs> I've gone over the game field, game film for a long time. I failed for a long time. Yeah, but you, you, you can either... Be better and go, this sucks. Only chads get laid. Or you can go back and go, okay, what went right and what went wrong. So I've been I've been at this for a long time. Yeah, and just to be clear, uh, audience members, this is not a 100% success rate. We're going to talk about two successes because you can diagnose 
what went well and what could be improved. But I do this all the time and they're like, no. The guys who fuck the most though are also the guys who fail the most because they're out approaching the most. Correct. So, you know, you have to assess the situation and, and take your shot. But, you know, the guy who does the hard cold approach is the guy who gets laid. The moment wasn't right, rides the bus home and jacks off. It's that simple. Yeah. And, and one of the other things, the reason why I deleted all the dating apps, besides, I think, having quite an appropriate stable at this point, um, is that the interaction, the nonverbal communication that you enjoy off a cold approach is so much stickier than anything you could ever do verbally, or especially through text, meaning that when a woman agrees to give you her phone number or to set up a date on the spot, she makes an on the spot decision about you. And she gets to read not just you, but the way you come off, the, the way you look as you're approaching her, the way that you carry yourself. I found that I don't think I've ever seen a successful cold approach turn into a flake. I've certainly been flaked on an online dates. The investment level that a woman has to make when she makes that snap judgment about you is very instinctual and I think sticks with her. Well, I think dating apps are really validation machines too. I mean, look, the, your black and East girlfriend was saying that like how many hundreds of guys were hitting her up online and- Oh, an unbelievable amount. She deleted it. I was the only date she ever went on. Yeah, there were two guys she was actually talking to and you're the guy that she only met up with. Mm -hmm. The only guy that she met up with. To be fair, her mom said I was hot and that she should meet me. Well, she, did she think you, you had a little bit of a serial killer vibe? I do. So um, to the audience, just sort of imagine Patrick Bateman. I, I'm not as handsome as Christian Bale, but I definitely have the vibe. He doesn't have a bad serial killer vibe, but I think there's a little bit of vibe. I, mean, I can like the Ted Bundy. Like, it's hot to a lot of women. Well, I think sometimes with some girls, they want to be a little bit afraid of that's an interesting point. Can you tell us more about that? Just they want to feel like they can't get away, right? Like they want to feel like you're in control of the situation and they aren't. And that manifests itself in different ways. Some of them just want to feel that way. Some of them want the full tied up bondage thing because then they really can't get away. So how is this different from it just happened? Can you help articulate? Well, look, uh, it just happened is ASD, right? Okay. So that's anti-slot defense. For exactly. Because women, women want to pretend that they don't have agency, right? So if you, you know, you bring her back, you're going to hit some LMR, right? That's and last minute resistance for our audience. LMR is so you don't think she's a slut. ASD is so she doesn't think she's a slut. Okay. Right? So, you know, when she does the breakdown of your night together with her girlfriends later, she's going to say, yeah. And then we did this and we went here and then we went back to his place. I told him I never do this. I never. And he didn't listen. And it just happened. Right? No agency. Like, and that's the same thing with the I have a boyfriend shit test, right? Women tell you that for three reasons. One, they have a boyfriend and they want you to fuck off because they want to stay loyal to them. Two, they don't have a boyfriend and they want you to fuck off because you do not meet their SMB requirements. Three, they have a boyfriend, but they want to fuck you. And it's another form of ASD. So when they fuck you, they, they can say to themselves in their little hamster wheel, I told him I has boyfriend, but he fucked me anyway, that big brute, as if they had no agency in the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important part. And you articulated it on the value of cold approach earlier that 
when you're controlling the interaction, she's allowed to be feminine. She's allowed to go along with your masculine energy. She's allowed to bat her eyelashes and say, what little old me? <laughs> Uh, I think if you combine that with the fact that cold approach is absolutely a dying art, uh, the number one thing that I get off the back of a successful cold approach is it's been forever since that happened. Oh, totally. Especially and the, if they're hot. Right. And, I, and when I talk to women and I sexualize the conversation, I so often get, no guy has ever talked to me like this before. And they're excited by it. Yeah. But Uncle Voss gave me uh, two great little tips that I, I don't think I've ever used before setting up the first date. Um, and one of them was related to color and one of them was related to hygiene. Could you, uh, I, you, you tell me. No. Okay. So um, one of Voss's go-to moves that I've learned is to instruct them to wear sexy underwear and tell, uh, them, tell them which color it is. Wear pretty underwear for me. Yes. Yeah. That's why I, I'm not sure about the color thing, but I always say wear pretty underwear for me. Yeah. And that so often results in Pretty underwear. underwear. And it also gets into the idea that I'm going to be seeing their underwear and taking it off. Yeah. Um, Jamaican side bitch was wearing this great Louboutin uh, cotton dress last night, and she asked me to pull it up so I could see the color of her underwear. This was in front of me, by the way. Of course it was, right. because she was comfortable doing that in front of you, because exactly. you can understand. Right. I, I, I got her comfortable with me early on, got them both comfortable with me early on. So, true facts. Uh, I got a text the other day, I'm not a text, but a chat thing through the site where uh, and the, 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 the young Kerper sent me his, you know, the text where uh, he had said he'd use one of my lines. He said, wear pretty underwear for me. And the girl's like, well, just so we're clear, blah, 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 blah. I'm not that kind of girl. Right. Or is you, you what do you call it? Spaghetti flexible? Like, oh, where they're. They're they're very straight until they're wet. Yes. So in yeah. So so um. Just this is a minor aside before we get back into Vaz's story about the the turper. Um. <laughs> so in in when you try and fuck girls with a girl, they come in a couple different flavors. There's straight up bisexual women, who are into both. There's lesbians who are willing to use me, who will tolerate a dick. Uh, or I should say, mostly lesbians who will tolerate a dick to get to my OLTR. And then there's what I call spaghetti buys, which are women who are straight until wet. And this applies to a lot of things. Anyway. Well, I guess what I should have said was morally flexible. Morally flexible. They're all morally flexible. Yeah, something to that. Particularly when they're out. So she gave him the I'm not that kind of girl speech, blah, blah, blah. He pings me, Uncle Boss, what do I do? And I said, look, this is pretty classic, right? You proceed as normal. You maintain frame. So when... She says, blah, 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 blah. And he had to respond. I just said, uh, you know, moi, mais non, of course not. Yeah. But I reserve the right to seduce you, blah, blah, blah. And, and at his level of turperness, that's absolutely appropriate. What I do with girls, I just say, look, if you come back to my house, come back to my apartment, I'm going to fuck you. And then when they come back to my apartment, it, it keeps them from dangling the pussy in front of you like a carrot mm -hmm. on a stick, right? But then when they come back, well, what happens? I fuck them, and it just happened. Yes, yes. It's all coming together. It just happened. So, I, you know, I, I told them what to say, and uh, I said, let me know how it goes. So it goes back to his place. They start grinding, and then they get naked. So, yeah, it's exactly how I played it out or how, how I said it would happen for him. Because in the situation where they're texting, they're in different spots, of course she's going to say, oh, no, no, I'm a good girl. But... You know, all morals are relative, and she was morally flexible in the bedroom, exactly like like you would think she would be. Precisely. 
And I don't want to, and when I say morally flexible, I, I don't mean to call her slut because, you know, I, I don't want to insult her, but, it, you know, it, it's all sort of scenario based, right? And I don't think that slut is necessarily a bad word. Maybe that's just because I love sluts and <laughs> don't we all in their own way. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think that a, a key part of the journey to the red pill is, is understanding how to unlock the slot in a woman. Um, Very true. Because I personally would never be anything more than, let's like, FWBs and up need to let out their inner slot with me. Um, and it's not up to them, it's up to me Very to true. get that to happen. Very true. But so, it's, I, I'm convinced all of them have it in them. A couple thoughts on that. I like ethical slots who are upfront about it. Right. Yes. Because and sometimes guys, they get into an LTR too soon because they want to lock down the pussy. So they have some supply. Right. And one of my favorite responses, particularly these days, is, hey, you know, if you were spinning three plates, none of this would matter to you. Well, yeah. that's the way to answer 90% of STRP questions would be, this would not be a problem if you were maintaining multiple <laughs> sexual relationships with multiple women. Sexual relationships with multiple women. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite problems. It's just, it's an unfortunate but true fact. You should have four or five of them and we'll, we'll spin the wheel of abundance and see what the answer is. As far as ethical slaughtery, I think it also gets slightly more complex in that, um, you know, before I had OLTR and sort of my current setup, um, one of my favorite plates of over a year was this redheaded slut um, whom we had a perfect understanding with. Uh, she would do anything that I wanted. We had a strictly sexual relationship and I was available regardless of what her relationship status was because I would communicate with her via Snapchat so she didn't have to worry about it. Right. She knows I'm never going to blow up the spot because I don't fucking care. So she had this perfect little dualistic mating strategy going where um, I well, saw her. Don't they all? Alpha bucks, beta fucks? Hers was. Wait a minute. I get that wrong. Alpha <laughs> bucks, beta bucks. Yeah, yeah. Alpha bucks is the female ideal. Right. Um, so what's interesting is that she was an ethical slut to me, but not to her boyfriend. Oh, meaning that I always knew what her relationship status was. Basically, here's how it would go if she had a boyfriend. Um, I would hit her up on Snap. She'd post some fucking sexy attention getting story. I'd be like, okay come over. She would come over and the foreplay was always her telling me what a terrible person she was. I think she actually got off on this. Yeah. Um, she would explain her relationship status and, you know, the, she would find very interesting ways to hamster it. Like I have to, I have to figure out who's better at sex. And I was like, it's obviously me. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. But, but like a very interesting way to twist it where she could still walk away from that interaction, treating it like a science experiment with me. The hamster wheel spins yeah. at high RPMs. Very true. Very true. So uh, another thing in terms of how to turn a woman into a slut for you, one of my favorite things to do, which I learned early on, is ask a girl what her fantasy is. Because there are going to be two that repeat, and I discussed this in, in some of my corporate land after hours posts, like probably the submissive women posts, and the, the, the threesome posts, right? Because there'll be some goofy romance novel stuff like, I want to make love outdoors or some other bullshit, or I want to make love down on the beach. Don't do that. Sand and crevices. That's all you need to know. Make sure you at least bring a blanket. Also, you'd be listening to what women say overtly. Oh, and not, yeah, know what they do. Mm -hmm. And really, people speak in images, right? So, you know, I want to take long romantic walks down on the beach. You know where I go? Uh, when I want to do some serious thinking, I go down to the beach at sunset because there's nobody fucking there. So when you're dealing with a woman that you kind of want to bring into your stable, ask them what their fantasy is. And there's going to be two that repeat one. 
tie me up, and two, I want to do another check, right? But with doing another check, usually they want to cock in the room so they can feel like they're edgy or exploring and not, what if I'm a giant lesbo? <laughs> so there's that, and then tie me up, and I wrote two or three posts on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, absolutely, because that, that – and submission tracks almost always with height. So starting around 5'8", and at 5'10", it's a lock. And, and tall girls like that also want to be made, made to feel small as well, made to, you know, made to feel tiny and feminine. Tracks with height, tracks with femininity, sometimes tracks with feminism, and uh, to me it also tracks with introversion. Well, feminism also tracks to love to be tied up and dominated. Yeah, because, you know, they find out it's not as great as, I mean, what we do as men isn't easy. And they find out it's not all the great stuff, like driving a nice car and making a lot of money. There's, oh, oh wait, you mean I actually have to do the work? <laughs> no, that's not fun. Well, it's called work, not play. And that's how it is. So, but back on point, you ask her what her fantasy is. And then, you know, to the extent it's not outside the bounds of civilized society, make it happen. And, you know, she'll gush for you. So I've coached two guys through the threesome talk already, and I find that it presents itself in a number of ways. But I, I found that inexperienced guys where they tend to hit a pitfall is when a girl who's ostensibly heterosexual or heteroflexible, whatever the fuck it is, like she's not gay, she's not bi, but she wants to do that. Um, in many cases, she wants to throw a lot of rules on this interaction. New, new, new. How do you new, navigate new, that? No, no, no. And no, you take her power away. They all want to do that because secretly they're afraid of losing you, right? So when you first say, hey, you know, if you ask if she's down for three-way, they'll always say, I want a girl who looks like me, right? Well, why? Because you already have a girl who looks like her. So you're not going to dump her or another girl who looks like her. So if she's blonde, she's not going to be into a brunette or like, you know, an attractive, you know, half something person. She's going to want another blonde for that reason. They'll try to make rules and you take that bullshit power away from them. They're like, no, 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 I'm the sheriff. And that's, this is how it's going to go. I've got a, I've got a, a I'm going to lay down the law, which is what this gun and badge are for. So I genuinely recommend that uh, the woman be somebody lightly familiar. Meaning it shouldn't be a friend, but it shouldn't be a stranger, especially for their first time. What do you think about that? I think acquaintances generally work best for first timers. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a certain comfort level. And it also depends on how you train the girl up. So there was one woman I knew who I think was she was deep underneath. She was by, but she was afraid to let that come to the surface. So mm -hmm. we discussed that because in the course of figuring out what a girl's fantasy are, we discuss everything. And she would have been perfectly okay with it as long as she was blindfolded and tied up. And I'm like, oh, this, this will not be a problem. I see. I <laughs> Look see. who you're talking to. Yeah. So it, it depends on the girl. And some will say, I want a stranger because they want to not ever have to see first again. And some like, which they might do. See, to me, I, the reason why I deflect the stranger, particularly for the first timers, is because I think that invites it being a one-time thing. I see. I don't know about that because it one you if you have abundance you and you're not getting what you want out of that girl you move on to another one or another one in the rotation. But well, you have to understand, Vaz, A lot of these guys do not have abundance. Well, right. which is particularly why I make these recommendations. If you're, if you're getting to the three way part, you have some abundance at least because you've got two girls who are willing. Sure, to sure, sure. So you know the guys who show up and go, "How do I make this happen?" 
aren't necessarily the guys who are going to be able to do it straight out of the box. But the guys who are, are who've done it that first time, and with a girl, sometimes there's some bargaining involved. Like a longtime friend of mine from when I was a kid, I coached him through his first threesome before it happened. I mean, it wasn't on an earbud, but the uh, he would ask questions and I would tell him like, do it the following ways, but do not let them lay down rules for you, particularly if it's in a if one of them is your girlfriend and she's going to try to make up rules for you, like you can't fuck the other girl, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's the fucking point of having a threesome then, right? So, I mean, if you don't get to touch the other woman, then it's not a threesome. It's them having like a little lesbian thing. That's gay experimentation. Yeah, well, you're in the room. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so fuck that. You got to lay down the law. And in his case, there was one girl who he was dating who this was like a covert contract for her. It was, I'm going to do this for you. And then we're going to be exclusive. Uh-oh. So he wound up having two threesomes with her. And I think she's off the radar now or she's soft next to it. She might come back. Good for him. But yeah. So, and I told them you can't do that this way, but, and she was trying to make up rules. Like the other girl can't stay over. And then he was talking to me, he goes, well, I, I, you know, I know that the other girl's going to have to stay over. Should I tell the girl, the first girl? And I'm like, uh, only if you don't want the threesome to happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you definitely want to cock block yourself, go right ahead and tell her. I said, you know, 100% no. Like, you could get her an Uber or something. But for some reason, that was what was going to happen. So they had a threesome. They had a great time. Girl number one found a girl number two was staying over and left in a huff to go sleep in the other bedroom. But, you know, he got it through way. So. And she did come around and she did do it with him again. And, you know, I think now she's off looking for a guy that will wife her up, but uh, now she has an interesting sexual past. <laughs> yeah, if I got threatened with I'll go sleep on the couch, um, I would happily accept that arrangement. Yeah, no, not, so. not that it happens recently, but uh, I don't think they realize that they're not punishing us. Hannibal Buress has a great joke about this, which is, you know, he's talking about his girlfriend and she's like, oh, like, if I just... You know, what are you going to do the whole time I'm on vacation? There's some, like, two-week vacation. He's like, I don't know, probably play lots of video games and celebrate your absence. <laughs> Which is just, uh, you can't tell him it, but it's just the truth. Well, women who give you the silent treatment do not realize that the silent treatment is a gift from heaven. Uh, absolutely a gift from heaven. So, uh, let's diagnose that cold approach with Kino. Okay, sure. So, well, you probably need to walk through. Um, well, just lay the foundation. What are we doing? So right? we're out getting coffee in the afternoon because I was running a caffeine deficit. So we go into our local Starbucks or wherever the local Starbucks was where we were. We go in and working behind the counter is a tall, slender, attractive uh, black woman mm-hmm. and of an appropriate age for you. And, you know, I know what you like also. We both have different tastes. We both like all women and you like a little more flavor and I like a little more ice cream. Um, at least in looks, not demeanor, of course. So we're talking, and she was flinging him IOIs. Like I was kind of half paying attention, but I picked up on a couple, and so we started playing off. So we're bouncing off each other. Ultimately, you know, this is this is a chain coffee store in a white area. So not only do you not see that, and a white and old area. Let's be specific. Um, so not only do you not see many handsome people coming through, you certainly don't see many interesting people coming through. So as we're bantering with her, I'm trying to make it funny. I'm trying to make it light. We're teasing her a little bit. She does not understand what a tuxedo mocha is. She really struggled with that. Remember that? Well, yeah, no, I, you know, I thought about 
mobile ordering it to avoid that, but yeah, it worked out. Mm -hmm. So we went through it and she asked for name and kind of put her head down and looked over to his written and I leaned forward and went, Bazia. <laughs> just to snap her attention back. Uh, yeah, so th there's two things that went on there that we want to specifically walk our, our audience through, which is n number one, when she asked a name, she looked down. Showing submission. Submission, which is she wanted to be instructed. And when we let the pregnant pause carry through, she immediately looked up at me, only to be corrected by Uncle Boss here. Right. So there's, there's really three things that occurred in this whole scenario. Number one, we made it light and fun. Number two, we distance ourselves from sort of the endless line of zombies that come through. And number three is recognize the sign. We sit down for a minute. She goes in the back. I tell Vaz, I'm going to go and get this girl's number. That strike while the iron is hot. Yes. Right. As I said before, you know, the, the guy who does that carpe diem gets the girl's number, gets the girl. But the moment wasn't right, rides the bus home and jerks off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a giant line forms and they get slammed for a minute. But I'm still there. I'm still in the presence. We're sitting there just enjoying our coffee because the last thing you want to do is force the moment. Well, I was certainly not going to walk away and come back knowing she would be working later because that's for pussies. I'm not going to stand in line and make her suffer through the social embarrassment of a bunch of random Starbucks customers seeing me ask for a number. That's just bad tactics. So I wait for the line to break. I walk straight up to her and I say a very simple thing, which is, hi, that line was a motherfucker. A little bit of small talk, just to break the ice. And then I go, I'm one of the few people here, both qualified as tall and handsome enough to date you. Give me your number. I get it on the spot. I ask her, you know, what's your next closing shift? We're going to get off right after that. And then here we are. Tuesday, I have a number and I have a date. That's all there is to it. It is just that simple. Now, had he not done that, just to end the suffering. Now, it is written was definitely going to do that. But had I been with someone who wasn't, I would have gone up and asked for a number. And that's what you call a bro. Because I was perfectly willing to play third base for him. What would you have said to her? I would have walked up and said, look, my friend over there, the tall and handsome guy, no homo, <laughs> he's a little bit shy, but he'd like your number. So give it to me so I can leave and have my coffee. And she either would or she wouldn't have. But, you know, the, the A answer is for you to go do it. Right? Of course. To show dominance. Yeah, quite frankly, if even if that worked, I would. if I were her, I'm like, who is this fucking guy? Yeah, there was, a, just as an aside, there was a woman I was talking to, um, it was like an Uber driver I had out in California, and we got talking about dating or something. She was going on this thing, and she said, well, what do you tell girls for a first date? And I say, I give them the dress code, and I tell them what time to be ready, and that's it. And if they say, well, do you need help? Like, Fuck no, I don't need help. I need the day. I can do this myself. I've been a man for a long time. But I tell them, you know, I tell them what the dress code is, which is I'm wearing whatever I'm wearing, a polo and chinos, wear whatever fashionable young ladies wear when men are wearing better polos and chinos. And then I tell them, be ready at eight o'clock, you know, be ready at, I'm going to pick you up at eight. Be ready. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she said to me, she's like that, that, that is really dominant <laughs> and, and in a good way. You can tell she's like, you know, that that's cool. I'm, I'm responding to that. So yeah, I mean, that's how I do it. 
Yeah. And, and just to recap the interaction. So after I get the number, you know, she's working on a shift. So the last thing you want to do is blow up her phone. All I text her is, hi, it, it, I'm in his written, the handsome guy from the Starbucks line. I wait for her to respond. And then I say, uh, what's your schedule next week? I don't wait for a response. I say, Wednesday is good for me. She says, I'm closing Tuesday, which I had forgotten in the original part, which is on me, but they don't care because they're interested in you. I said, okay, great. We're going to meet at XYZ at 6.30 p.m. Look forward to seeing you. And I'm not going to text her until the day of when I, I'm going to, I honestly, Uncle Vaz, I'm going to steal your fucking line. That's okay. Yeah. I just want to see how, I want to see what it does. 99% of the time that results in pretty underwear. I, I feel pretty confident about it, pretty it, underwear. It shows dominance and it gets them thinking about and letting the hamster wheel spin about like, oh, I'm, I'm what, seven my pretty panties should I wear for him? You know, get some thinking about that and it sort of tees them up for it later, right? And, you know, well, no, that, that line is so cringe, it would never work. I'm like, okay, Captain Fedora. <laughs> you know, I, I mean. It wouldn't work dot, dot, dot for, for you. you. Yeah, so, exactly. So, yeah, no, please. Uh, well, hey, listen, any experience I have is the product of long and difficult trial and error. But for you guys, it's free. And for our audience members, I want to point out something important going on here, which is I would consider myself a pretty accomplished slayer, but regardless, and I do say that facetiously, just so we're clear, um, regardless, my willingness to learn, my, especially my willingness to learn from other men, never goes away. When you find somebody you respect and you remain open and you treat one another as equals, there is an amazing exchange to be had, regardless of the length of engagement. Um, no matter how good you are at something, it's not so much that someone's better, it's there's ways you haven't thought about it before. And remaining open to someone's experience, whether they're, again, don't think of things as above or beneath or SMB or age. If you're willing and open to treat somebody as an equal who's deserving of that title, another important part, um, it's, it's impressive how much progress you can make. So uh, now that we're past one of the, I think we've, we've covered cold approach and a lot of the, a lot of the other things. One of the things that I wanted to touch on is sort of who are our favorite active posters and I'll go first. So you have a minute to think about this. Um, besides some of the stable names, uh, for really red, I have to give a shout out to, I originally wanted him to be on this, but he's a motherfucker to pin down because he's so damn busy. Um, I think, uh, one of my favorite things about him is, is there's nothing left to the imagination. He's happy to tell you exactly how it is. And, one of my favorite fairly read theories that I wanted to touch on earlier, which is why I bring him up now, is um, when we were mentioning that sort of, you know, beauty and youth are the currency of women and time and attention of men. The beauty of being a man specifically, um, and this is what fairly read articulated, is that it's, it's a pie chart. Looks are in there. Game is in there. Status, money, whatever you want to say. All it has to do is add up to 100 percent. And it can add up to 100% in a whole bunch of different fucking ways. I'm the living example of that. If I had to rely solely on, you know, my good looks, I would be spending a lot of time alone. <laughs> Look, I'm a big, rough-looking guy, and, you know, I'm tall, and I'm strong, and I've got a, a wide build, broad shoulders. And there are women out there who like that. So there are women out there that I'm never going to fuck. And that's, you know, 90%, whatever it is. I mean, if, you, if you're closing 10 or 11% of the time on a straight cold approach, you're doing great, right? Yeah. But you have to, you know, you fish with a, a net and not a pole. And you find the pool of girls that is attracted to you and you draw dates, mates, and plates from that pool. So, for example, I'm going to do well with tall women because women select for height without mercy. 
generally speaking. So 510 and up, I'm going to have a much higher success rate because I'm in the 6 or 7% of the population that is eligible to date a 5 foot 10 inch woman, right? And well, tell them about your experience there when you, you took my height advice. Which one? The, you, you, were, you were online and you were... There's one weekend where you just said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so so um, I had been given a free trial of Hinge Premium back in the app days. God, yeah, this is funny. And uh, we had been speaking on it and, and Vaz shared the height thing. So what I did is it, one of the things you can actually filter for on Hinge, which is clearly meant for women, is height. So I said, fuck that. And I selected for 5'10 and up. And I, I, I'm not sure I've ever had quite the level of reception. Full disclosure, he's six foot two. Okay, yeah. That, or that 186 or 87 centimeters. For our year I don't do commies. I don't do commies. That's well, French, French, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, but yes. Did you just yeah, whatever me? I did just yeah, whatever uh, you. You gotta stop that. <laughs> anyway, the point of the experiment being that, yes, there is, I would say 510 and, well, let's say 5'8 and up is a highly underserved market. Yeah, I would say that's true. And, but this isn't an example of, of height overall. Like, let's not give the black colors anything to feed on. The point being is that if you identify an underserved market, it's still a, it's still a pie chart, right? Yes. Those guys can have game. I know a guy, five foot six Asian guy who slays because he doesn't come off as bitter short guy. He comes off as cool guy who's accomplished and does a bunch of different things, is very physically fit and has game. So, He's going to be a little weaker in the height area, right? Mm -hmm. But he makes up for it in other ways. Whereas, you know, I'm tall, so I'm strong there. I'm not particularly handsome. Like, I look like I break legs for a living. <laughs> and, you know, but there are, you have to, you know, you have to play the hand that you're dealt and develop in other areas. So I learned game. I've got a quick mind and I learned game. And I, I made some things that are unique about myself, right? I write, record, and perform original music. And wouldn't you know it, I usually have about three or four songs on my phone. And that differentiates me from other guys who, you know, don't, you know, that don't have that going for them and don't have anything going for them. And, you know, in the old days, it was, you know, if you were wanted to find out, like, who the stronger men were, you just, it was simple. They would just put you in an arena and let you fight it out. And then you understood. Mm -hmm. Now you have, since you can't do that, you have to find another way to differentiate yourself, which... If you read the sidebar and ask TRP under corporate land and you go down to it's either advice for young men or corporate land after hours, become the prize. Yes. And again, the reason why I love Fairly Red's pie chart analogy so much is because, again, there's millions of ways to fill it up and they're going to be very different depending on the guy. Uh, and I think what you'll find across the guys who, quote unquote, get it, that their pie chart looks different, but it's definitely full. And that can, that can manifest itself in many, many ways. Who's one of your favorite active posters around now, Uncle Boz, besides yourself? 